had a great gathering last night out at the uh, out at the park. What a what a great privilege it was to gather with God's people. What a joy it is um, in the dark time that we live in, in the world, in the shape that it's in, where they've stomped uh, uh, prayer out of schools and they've um, basically shamed people into talk who would dare talk about Christ publicly. We certainly live in those times. We live in a time when it's not popular to be a born-again believer. And uh, so the Bible guarantees us that we will be persecuted. You take a strong stand for Jesus Christ, and you're going to be persecuted. Why? Because Jesus Christ has pointed out their lost condition, and their demise is hell if they don't turn from their sin. So they don't like it. And if and as you, as the reflection of Jesus Christ, they don't like you either. So, you're in good company tonight. If you're not loved by the world, you're still loved by Jesus Christ who died for you. And he's going to, pre- to prepare a place for you that is out of this world. He sure has. And he's promised that he would return to coming back and get you and take you home to be with him one day after a while. Listen, these aren't just words. This is the truth. He's going to come again, and he's going to receive his church, his bride, and he's going to take us back, and we're going to eternally be in the bliss and glory and splendor and radiance of Almighty God for all of eternity without end, joy unspeakable and full of glory, glorified bodies, no pain, no suffering, no death, no worries. We don't have to worry about those who have drug addiction. We don't have to worry about car wrecks and accidents. We don't have to worry about broken homes and broken marriages. We don't have to worry about all the stuff that that causes destruction in the world today, which is sin. We know the wages of sin is death, don't we? But we have a God who listens to our prayers tonight. Let's pray tonight for our service. Pray tonight that the Lord will lead us and guide us in our um, uh, deliverance of His Word. Father, we thank You tonight for Your for, you, for this opportunity to gather with our church family. Lord, we're so thankful for prayer warriors. We're thankful, Lord, for those who believe, even in the time when, when, uh, the, when we're, we're right in the midst of the battle, we're right in the heat of the battle, we're in the darkness of the night. Lord Jesus, your people are still the light of the world. We're still the salt of the earth. So, Lord, we just praise you for the salt, Lord, that you, that you have scattered around us, Lord, to, to, to keep us uh, looking towards you, to keep us encouraged in uh, doing your work in this old world, Lord. We just pray for each and every family that's represented here tonight. Lord, we pray for those that are sick in body, that need a healing, that need a cure, that need a touch from you. Lord, we pray for those who are, who are struggling with whatever problems they may have in their family, uh, whether it be uh, financial troubles or whether it be any kind of uh, sickness or disease. Lord, we pray for the mighty touch of Almighty God. Lord, we pray that your church will be uh, what it should be at this time, in this age, in this present age that we live in. Lord, we pray that you will raise up people among, uh, among this world that, have, that are on fire for you, that are dedicated to you wholeheartedly, Lord Jesus. And we just pray that this church will be found doing exactly, Lord, your will, exactly your way. Lord, give us clarity of mind tonight. Give us clarity of words to speak. Lord, give us a heart to, 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 to be open and, and to receive your word And, Lord, anoint it with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we never want to stand to say a word without being anointed of the Holy Spirit. Lead us and guide us tonight, Lord, in all that we say or do. 
Amen. You may be seated if you like. We're still going through the book of John. We're still at the Feast of Tabernacle there in the city of Jerusalem. We're here about six months prior to our Lord Jesus Christ going to the cross of Calvary and Passover and being crucified for 2,000 years later. Here we are grateful that he did just that. But Jesus is, 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 uh, is addressing, he's talking to those who are coming out against him, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Jews that are coming out against him and they're questioning, who is this man? Where did he get this great learning? How did he learn to speak? I've never heard a man speak the way this man speaks. You don't understand. We've never heard someone speak with such authority that this man speaks. He speaks like no other, and he was changing some people's lives because they believed in what he was saying. John 8, 31, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, where are we, are Abraham's descendants? and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Then Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say unto you that everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son, the son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Do you like freedom? We have freedom in this country. We have freedom to do good things and to do what some of us believe are bad things. Sometimes I wonder if we may not have too much freedom, too free with, with too many ideas that go astray. But we're free tonight because of Jesus Christ, most of all. We're free for the soldiers have fought the battles for us. We're free in the sense that 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 we can go to work and we can buy our houses and we can support our families. We can go where we want to, come home when we want to, go to church wherever you want to. We're free and we are the most blessed nation in all the world, hands down. I don't doubt it one bit. And we're thankful for all of our veterans that have fought for this privilege. Thank God that he sent you to this earth to help us in this way. But the greatest freedom that we have is Christ. You see, there's this thing called bondage. There's a thing called sin that bonds a man, that binds a man, that puts a man in shackles. And we serve a righteous and holy God who is going to judge righteously. And because of sin, everyone will stand before God and give an account. But listen, we have an advocate with the Father. We have an advocate, and his name is Jesus, that you and I could go free. He gave his life on the cross of Calvary. He bore my scars. He bore my stripes. The nails in his hands and in his feet gave me the freedom that I didn't deserve. Not only freedom, but everlasting life that I don't deserve. 
Here Jesus says he is talking about the freedom that he gives. The freedom that he gives to a man who is in bondage, who is enslaved. He is doomed to die in this world. And he is the only escape for man from death at all. So here Jesus is. He's exposing the, the, the hypocrisy of the Jewish leaders. And the Lord gives testimony about who he is about who he is, where he came from, and he offers insight to, as to his relationship with his father. He offers them insight as to who he is, where he came from, and to who his father is. No man had ever spoken, as I said, the way this man named Jesus did. And John gives testimony here in verse 30. It says, as he spoke these things, many came to believe. Many came to believe. But what is going to be a little bit confusing or maybe a little confusing for some is that in just a few more verses we're going to find out that they didn't believe. That they didn't believe. I'm afraid we have many in this age, in this time, that truly do not believe. Maybe that's not you. I hope it's not. But this is part of our scripture, so we'll just go ahead and cover it tonight. It says, many came to believe. Now, this probably implies only a kind of consent. It's not true repentance, but they truly believed that Jesus was Jesus. They believed that he was the son of Joseph and Mary. They thought he had some some really good wisdom. They thought he was a good teacher. They thought maybe he could be a prophet. They knew there was something powerful about this man. They had never heard a man speak like this man speaks. But we know that there's not true acceptance of him because it's obvious they were unchanged. Their character was still the same old thing. They were still the same people with the same old behavior. There are many today that we see just like that. Oh, I'm a Christian. I got saved when I was three years old. I'm not making fun, but it's the truth. It's the truth. Verse 31 says, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. That's heavy. And speaking with the newly believing Jews, Jesus expounded upon what qualifies a person as a true disciple of his. I don't want to be fake, do you? I want to be exactly what the Lord wants me to be. I want to be a true disciple of His, not a fake, not a false one. If you'll notice here, the word if is found in this verse. If you continue in my word. This word if, it creates a conditional clause in this verse. If you'll look closely, you'll see that it says, if and then, if 
then. So if you continue in my word, the word continue translates from the Greek word meno. It also means to abide by. It means to abide by. So if we, if we put the word in there, abide by, it says, if you abide by my word. Woo! If you abide by, if you accept, or if you act in accordance with my word. Here the Lord's laying down the conditional characteristics of what a true disciple of His is. A true disciple follows. He acts in accordance to the teacher. He sees what the teacher does, and he follows in the footsteps of the teacher. That is the true disciple. Not when the teacher's teaching and the disciple is off over here moseying around like he could care less. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm following him. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be cute. But true disciples and false disciples are not the same. True disciples follow. They act in accordance to what Christ would have them to, to act. They believe, yes, I got saved, but then they can act any old way that they want to. Brother Darrell, you're saying we're saved by works? No. Not by works. But the works prove who we are and what we are. What is a disciple? A disciple is a pupil. It's a learner. It's a student. It's, it's one who ad adheres to the teaching of the spiritual leader. So Jesus is saying, if you continue in my word, if you abide by my word, if you accept my word, if you act in accordance to my word, then, then you are truly disciples of mine. Now, these Jews believed Jesus, but not with the characteristics of those who possessed saving faith. Many believe in Jesus. I believe in the devil. I'm not a follower of the devil, but I believe in the devil. I know he exists. The Bible says he, it, he exists. I believe there's a hell. I don't want to go there, but I believe there's a hell. So just believing in the sense of acknowledging and knowing doesn't qualify us as true disciples. Christ. It is those who follow him that are true disciples of his. These believed Jesus, but they, but they were still slaves to sin. They were still caught up in the sins of the world. They didn't love him. They believed in him, but they didn't love him. They believed in him, but not a belief that leads to true repentance. They believed Jesus, yet their, yet their characteristics was that of another father, the father named Satan. We will see the evidence of this later in this very chapter. If you were to ask the question of someone, 
Do you know the Lord as your personal Savior? The majority of the people would say, why, yes. Sure I do. I know Him as my Savior. And many non-church attenders would emphatically answer, yes, I know Him as my Savior. But here's the test. The Word of God says in 1 John 2, 4, that's a good place to go to the Word of God, isn't it? If you want to know what the truth is, don't listen to me. Go to what the Word of God says. Don't just ask somebody. Go to what the Word of God says. Look at this, verse, uh, 1 John 2 and 4. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But who, whoever keeps his words in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. That's pretty easy to understand. Jesus was the teacher. We are the disciples. We're the students. And he led a great example for us to follow. Nowhere in the Word of God can I find or can you find that God gave man a suggestion. But instead, he gave man commands. He gave man statutes. He gave man precepts, a way in which to live, to obey, which are, which are guiding principles that are used to control. It's used to influence or regulate our conduct. An example or a precept is a command found in the Ten Commandments. They're not the Ten Suggestions. They're the Ten Commandments. So, you know who the Son of Thunder is, don't you? John, the very one that wrote this wonderful book. John thunders at those who claims to have, who, who claims to have come to know Jesus, but do not keep His commandments. Look at this. John said earlier, in uh, 1 John 1, 6, he says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, Jesus warns that their walk didn't match their talk. Their claim to fellowship is completely unfounded. In other words, there's no grounds for them to make the claim that they believe in Jesus because the characteristics proved otherwise. The Bible says that you'll know a tree by the fruit that it bears. The Bible tells us to examine our own self, right? In reality, anyone who makes such a claim and lives in disobedience to the Word of God is deemed a liar. I like this kind of truth, y'all. I'll be honest with you. Maybe that's what makes me more of an evangelist type. Because I believe that if we understand the heaviness of God's Word, that we're going to be much more likely to live the way He would have us to live. If it's really not about me, and if it's really not about you, and if it's really all about Jesus, we need to find out how Jesus would have us to live. In fact, these Jews, they were self-deceived as many are today. They were right in their own eyes 
but their hearts were far away from God. Those who do not obey the word of Christ and live in rebellion against Him, the truth is not in them. So Jesus continues here in verse 32. He says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That's why we want the truth. A lie will do you no good but keep you in bondage. To seek truth apart from Christ is inherently self-defeating because he alone, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I want to go through that door. Any other way would make us the same as a thief and a robber? I want to go through Jesus Christ. He is the, the only way, but he's the best way at the same time. But the unregenerate crowd does not know the truth. The unregenerate crowd that we're having trouble reaching in the world today, they don't know the truth. They've not been enlightened by the Holy Spirit. And we sound like clinging, clanging cymbals sometimes. Oh, I've heard this before. I've heard, uh, yeah, I heard. Jesus is coming again. I know, I know, I've heard it. Well, you better believe it. Because just because you've heard it doesn't mean that it's any less true. It's true. He's coming again, and I'm looking forward at, for it any moment, any moment. In the twinkling of an eye, the unregenerate crowd cannot even care to know the truth. Pastor Steve was talking this morning about you, you know, we come together and we, and we have such a good time and, and people may wonder, what's, what's the big deal? What's all the fuss about? I've been rescued. You see, the Lord burst upon the scenes of a dark world that was doomed to hell. A great light came into the world when Jesus came into the world. And he's enlightened me. He's enlightened you. And our home is not here. We look forward to the one to come. When you've been enlightened, you're looking for a new city, the new Jerusalem. You're looking for a new place that far exceeds this old world. When you've been born again, this world doesn't hold much for you. It doesn't. It's not a sad deal either. We're not missing out on anything that's any count. It's, we're really not. But the true regenerate disciple, he holds true to the Word of God. He holds true to the Word of God. Even when he's tested, even when he's down, even when everything is going terrible for him, he trusts in the Lord anyway, coming to the knowledge of reality, which is found in Jesus Christ. No man could know God without first being enlightened by him. You know something, when the Word of God is rejected, truth is lost. So many today have, have rejected Christ. And I, I'm, I'm really uh, seeing a great, 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 we've seen great, great, but we see a great, great, great falling away today. We see reprobate minds. We see people who proudly, who proudly professed to not know Jesus, to not believe this old book, the Bible. They, believe, they don't believe in this, in this old ancient book. They, they think they found a better way. They think their, their great education and their great understanding and their, and their great big vocabulary 
10,000 times bigger than mine. Their great big uh, vocabulary makes them what they need to be. They're looking for a utopia in this world. This world will never be like heaven, no matter what, no matter what. We can't get enough police officers on the force now to push back the evil. There's so much evil everywhere. They can't build enough jailhouses to house all these people. They let these people out ahead of time just to make room for more that, that are pouring in. This is a product of Satan. It's a product of the fall. It's the product of sin. And it's evidence that Jesus Christ is coming soon. The troublesome times should point us to looking for, at the eastern sky, looking for the return of Jesus. But the Apostle Paul, he warned Timothy that a day would come when men would no longer endure. They would no longer tolerate. They would no longer accept sound teaching, sound doctrine. They would no longer accept the King James Version Bible. They would no longer accept the Word, the way that, that, that God uh, has, has written it. They, want it. they want it watered down. They're searching more and more for translations that I believe are more acceptable. In the past 10 years, we've seen 30, 40 translations, different translations, and many of them are good, but many are watering down the message. They really are. They're glossing over the truth that we're finding in God's Word tonight. They don't want to make God a judgmental God. They don't want to make God a righteous, holy God. They don't want to make God a just God. They just want to make Him a God of love. A God that accepts anything. Let's don't be fooled, church. Let's don't be fooled. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes wide open. Continue on for Jesus Christ. But men would come to desire that which makes them feel good. That's what man is looking for today. Give me more Make it more about me. It's all about me. It'll be about you as long as it's about me. I'll love you as long as you love me. I'll be with you as long as you're with me. It's not an enduring love. It's not an enduring uh, passion for Jesus Christ. They're on board with Jesus Christ as long as they're blessed, as long as they're getting their, their prosperity. That's why the prosperity gospel is doing so well in the world. They're telling them exactly what they want. They give man exactly what they want. Like a spoiled brat. Give me what I want. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it puts you through. Give me what I want. You can look in the popular bookstores right now. You look in the popular bookstores, they have more how-to in those, in those Christian bookstores. How-to be a better you. 10 steps to, 30 steps to, all of these ways to be a better you and to, and to, and to uh, be blessed and to, and to have, have much because God wants you to have much, you know. Some of the poorest people I know are some of the closest people that are walking with Christ. And I'd rather be a pauper and be faithful to my Lord is to have it all. Because the Bible says that my Father 
owns the cattle of a thousand hills. In my father's house are many mansions. There's not one in Hollywood that comes close. Jesus Christ is the true. He's the truth of our foundation. The truth comes only from knowing the revelation of Scripture concerning Christ. But as revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is also referred to as the Spirit of truth. We look to Scriptures to learn about our Lord, but we also rely upon the direction of the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in understanding the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit is indeed a helper. It's a comforter. He's a teacher of the truth. That John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. This is Jesus talking. Look at this. What does it say? He, that is the Holy Spirit, will teach you, that's us, all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Now, Jesus speaks of a helper to his disciples, saying here in John 14, 16, he said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. A helper that will be with you forever. That is, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because what? He abides with you and will be in you. There's that word abides again. There's that word again, abides. I'm glad that I abide with him and he abides with me. He is in me and I am in him. We're one. The reality of believing in Jesus, obeying His Word, and knowing the truth that revealed through the Scriptures by the Holy Spirit brings spiritual freedom. We can lay down at nights and we can rest easy. We can know that no matter what comes our way, that we're prepared because God has, is going to take care of us. He's going to watch over us. He has, he has legions of, anal, uh, of angels. Many thousands upon thousands, myriads and myriads of angels that he can call on at any moment to come to our rescue. Verse 32 again says, and, he will know, and you will know the truth. And look at this. The truth will make you free. Now, Jesus is talking to these Jews. He's talking to the Jews that, that were not true believers. But he's letting them know that if they abide by His Word and if they follow Him, that He's going to be there for them. Now, while the world is a slave to sin, a true disciple of Christ knows the truth and is made free from what? What are we free from? Condemnation? We're free from judgment? That is the great white throne judgment? We don't have to worry about hell because if we're truly born again, we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ for all of eternity. We're free from, from, from spiritual ignorance. We're, we're free from spiritual death. And, and the first and the far most, we're free from sin because we know the wages of sin is death. So those who are set free in Christ should heed Paul's admonition to the Galatians. Here, look at this. Galatians 5.1, 
It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Look at this. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. He's calling upon us to stand firm. Do not go back. Don't look back. Don't look back to the world. Don't don't desire the world. Don't, Don't chase after the world. Don't desire and love the world. Love him. The Jews who had supposedly believed were not interested in Jesus' offer to become free. In fact, the, the Jews insisted that they were already free. Look at this, verse 33. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? This is a foolish boast on the part of the Jewish uh, people. They were claiming to have never been enslaved to anyone. We know that's not the truth, don't we? We know that's not the truth. Their whole history had been one bondage. Their whole history had been bondage. Their ancestors had been enslaved to Egypt. They had been enslaved to the Assyrians, to Babylon, to Medo-Persia, Greece, Syria, and finally Rome. You see, they were in their pagan bondage, and they were confident that as a nation of Abraham's descendants, they were spiritually free. But in Luke, John the Baptist told the crowds who were coming to be baptized, look at this. Actually, I didn't give you the scripture. It says, he said, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? You see, they were coming to be baptized. But they had not yet repented. They came to be baptized, but they had not repented. You brood of viper, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Luke 3, 8 says, Therefore, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children from Abraham. From stones, he can raise up children. Being Abraham's descendants in and of itself could never offer true freedom. That's why we make much of Christ here, there, and everywhere. Make much of Jesus Christ because he has set you free. He bore your scars. He bore your stripes. Think about the crown of thorns that was placed upon his head. That was nothing but mockery. And the scarlet purple robe that he wore. How they beat him to a bloody pulp in my place. May I never, never lose that vision. What he, the price that he paid for me, the price that he paid for all of humanity, for those whosoever will, let them come and drink. They'll not be disappointed. But they were in, they were in darkness. They were in the dark as to who their slave master really was. These Jews and the Lord again, more explicitly now, emphasizes their bondage. He reveals the true nature of their slavery. Look at the verse verse 34. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave to sin. Essentially, Jesus is saying, all who live in or habitually indulge in sin are in bondage. 
of Satan, who is the slave master of all sinful people. We can also quote the Apostle Paul to all who are beloved of God in Rome. Verse 6 and 16. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. Would you say that Jesus expects us to live a little different than the world? I believe he does. We can also quote the, the Apostle Peter in speaking to those who, who received a faith the same kind of hours regarding the false prophets who will promise freedom to those who barely escape from a lifestyle of deception while they themselves are slaves of corruption. Peter reminds them, by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. If we allow ourselves to be overcome by the flesh, we allow ourselves to be overcome by the desires of, of the heart, of the desires of the mind that, that may in and of itself be ungodly, we become a slave to that very thing. We all in bondage. We all know from personal experience how real sin bondage is. We, we've all experienced it times without number. We find ourselves bound by some enslaving habit, by some enslaving weakness, and we promise to break free only to be entangled again. Are you guilty? Amen. Me too. Verse 35 says, A slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son he does forever. You see what he's saying here? You know the difference between a slave in the house and the son in the house? Right or position, there's his standing. It's completely different between the slave and the son. The son has a permanent right in the household, and the slave never does. I'm going somewhere with this. What this means is even though the Jews were Abraham's descendants, they were like slaves. They were not like sons. They were like slaves and in danger of eternally forfeiting the privileges they had received. Now, remember, Jesus had given a warning in Matthew eight eleven. I say to you that many will come from the east and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. Who is he talking about here? He's talking about the Jews. He's talking about the Jews. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what does it mean? It means that only those who genuinely accept and receive Jesus Christ as the Son of God, whether descendants from Abraham or not, are truly sons of God. The Bible tells us to examine ourselves to see if we're truly in the faith. I pray that every, and hope and pray that we all are. Verse 36 says, so if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. That means absolutely. Here yet again, the Son of God reiterates His authority, declaring, so if 
There's another conditional clause. There's that if again. Let me say this. Anytime you see in the Bible where it says if, always pause and take a notice there because it's typically going to be followed up with a then. If, then. If you, then I. So, there were some who professed to be free, but they were not free. To those who were bond slaves of Satan, liberty is possible. Doesn't make any difference how far out we've been in sin. Doesn't matter what we've done, how low we've been. There's hope in Christ. We've never been too too far out that He can't find us. We can never go too deep that He can't retrieve us. And what does the Son make you free from? He makes you free from addiction. He makes you free from bad habits of all kinds. But ultimately, He makes you free from sin. So what what does the Son make you free to? He makes you free to praise Him. He makes you free to go to heaven when you leave this old world. He makes you free that you can lay down at night and go to sleep and not worry about your condition because you know that you know that you're ready to go should He call you at any moment. You know something? We have this little thing in our chest beating. Each and every one of you do. It's called a heart. And it beats. And it beats consistently. It beats consistently. It beats right on time, right when it's supposed to. And it's been beaten for many years. It's been beaten since you started this this road in this life. And you never have to tell it to beat. You never have to stop and wind it up, pump it up to get it going. There's something telling it that it's beat all the time. There's a little fire there that keeps it going right on time. God is in control of that, I believe. With all my heart, I believe that. And at any moment, any time when he's ready, he can shut it off. That's all we have. We're depending on that little muscle to just keep doing what it's supposed to be doing. And a lot of other parts of our body, by the way. Many of you all know a lot more about anatomy, about about, um, uh, the body than I do. But I know there's some pretty critical things going on and it needs to be working right or I'm in big trouble. So I'll close with this. The Son of God, He came to make the prisoner free. He came to deliver those who were in bondage from the sin of the world. No matter who you are, no matter what you are, no matter how many years you've remained a slave of Satan, the Son, the glorious liberator, Jesus Christ, can make you free. He said, if the Son make you free, if the Son makes you free, listen to this, if the Son makes you free. It has nothing to do with you. If the Son makes you free, you are free. And the word indeed means absolutely absolutely free he's able also to save them to the uttermost 
who come unto God by Him. Stand with me, if you will, tonight. I'd like to uh, ask any prayer request. I'd